Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Ryan enjoyed playing some of our opens and, and musical montages last week and reacting to them. Once he started giggling, he really didn't stop, which was kind of fun. Uh, but uh, I told him my favorite part of that exchange with the listener is that I kept calling him sir. 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 <laughs> That was so nice of me. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Some of you wanting to weigh in on this idea of court storming, which I appreciate. We'll get to those calls. 855-212-4227. Uh, we've got a little more from the world of hoops. Uh, if you haven't caught the Monty Williams rant, you will. It'll be one of the top stories in the sports world Coming up on Tuesday, so as we morph into a Tuesday, Monty Williams will be all the rage. Uh, and he was raging, so I suppose he does deserve to be all the rage. It's just kind of crappy when you're a team stuck on eight wins and this type of thing happens in the, the final few seconds. It's got to feel like another gut punch. Just... All season long, punch after punch, you're bruised and battered. And Draymond Green tells you why the Golden State Warriors are poised for a run. Maybe because he's not suspended anymore? I don't know if he said that. He's been pretty candid about his suspensions. And then in a couple of minutes, we're going to get to the NFL's about face. And and by saying the NFL, I essentially mean the teams in the NFL. But really the exact opposite of what we had a year ago at this time. And I'll explain. Thanks for finding us on Twitter, A Law Radio, and also on our Facebook page, our YouTube channel as well, named after the show. And then our phone number is 855-212-4 CBS. Can you believe we have just a few days left in the month of February? Wow. 
March Madness is on the horizon. Now, we don't get a lot of court storming in March Madness. The NCAA takes it a little seriously uh, in that they'll actually pull your tickets. They'll kick you out, blah, blah, blah. But also, it's not the same thing because you're not on home courts. And when you do have a regional type of situation where a team is playing close to home and you have a lot of those fans from that particular fan base, well then, and this is just an example, I don't know if it's going to happen, but Purdue at, at Indianapolis. Well, then a lot of those fans are for the top seed, and unless you get another upset like last season, you're not likely to have a court storming situation anyway, but also if the Purdue fans are dominating, then there'd be very few of the fans left who would storm the court. I hope you're following me there. Essentially just saying it's it's not, the tournament doesn't lend itself to court storming. Because of the venues and also because of the fan bases and because of the NCAA. A lot of times you have mixed fan bases because you'll have more than two teams at one site until you get to the championship. All right, let's try to find a solution to court storming. Ron is listening in Wisconsin. Ron, what do you think? Hi, Amy. I just was thinking maybe we can, instead of trying to uh, ban it or, you know, um, go after people for doing it, um, why couldn't we try to maybe start a new tradition with the students and talk them into doing a a 10-second countdown before they were actually to go on to the court that would give the opposing team time to get off and it would just become part of the actual court storming itself with the entire crowd doing a countdown like that. Hmm. All right. And how would you spread the word? Well, possibly through the media, you know, as well, but um, just the schools themselves getting the word across to their students that this is something they'd like to see them do. I mean, most students don't want to see anybody get hurt themselves either. Mm-hmm. They're just excited. They want to have fun. So if they realize that there's a possibility somebody could get hurt, I think they'd be willing to do something along that lines. And like I said, it could just become part of the tradition of the court storming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's inter- interesting thought. I like the idea behind it, uh, which is that you give them a chance to storm, and you don't delay it too long, so the emotion is still high, but you also can safely get those players and coaches out of the arena and to their locker rooms. Um, yeah, I mean, and along with that, the, doing the countdown actually gives you know it, you're kind of giving a warning that hey, we're coming down. You're letting the other team know you might want to rush a little bit, get out of the way. Hmm. Uh, I guess you could put it on the the huge video boards. And, and start with the 10, 9, 8. I just wonder how many students would abide by it. You're right. It would have to become a tradition, one that they really look forward to, that they're excited about, uh, because I I think sometimes we overestimate uh, that people absorb instructions. After my recent wedding and recognizing that we did not give people enough instructions for how they were supposed to act and what they were supposed to eat and not eat and when, uh, yeah, I kind of feel like we overestimate sometimes that people are paying attention. Exactly. (laughs) All right, Ron, good to talk to you in Wisconsin. Thank you so much. You as well, thanks.
Jimmy is listening in Myrtle Beach. Jimmy, what do you think about court storming? Hey, Amy, so great, so great to have a chance to talk to you. Listen, there's you an too. easy solution for this. We could fix it tomorrow. Children, kids can still go on to courts. Each of these arenas are from smaller cities where they don't have massive police forces, and they don't have the kind of manpower to do that. But at every game, there's 20, 30, 50 cops at the arena, and there's hundreds of ushers. All they need to do is instruct them to come down a long courtside with two minutes left in the game and to protect the away bench. Tell the away players they need to make it to the bench and they'll be escorted out safely. Now, if anybody's still injured in the meantime, then you inflict the penalty against the school. But if you merely just had the ushers that are already at the arena head to the floor and in the last two minutes of the game, protect the away bench and help those players to get out of the stadium. Okay, I have a question. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. If <laughs> yes, sir. If students do not respect the players, the officials who also get caught up in the fracas, and the coaches that are on the court, why would they respect the ushers, who a lot of times well, are elderly and volunteers? Well, you just make it. You you can make such a, an impact with. First of all, most of these kids are coming out of the student section. So it's not 100% of the arena rushing the court at the same time most times. So you could direct them and divert them away from the away team until you can get them off the court. If you put even just 20 police officers around the basketball bench, they could get the people off the floor. Now, when you're at Notre Dame or Alabama and there's 100,000 people in the stadium, it's a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. But in a basketball court, there are ways to do this with the manpower, which sits in the arena without denying the kids the chance to celebrate. All right. I like the idea. I like the thought into it. I just worry about other people getting hurt. So putting more people out there who could get stomped. But then not every kid who's out there is being violent. There's one or two or 10 kids that are mm-hmm. being exuberant and maybe even a few that are being idiots and they're trying to impact the game in that manner. But it's not the majority of them. So for the most part, if you could just divert the kids away from the away bench mm-hmm. while the kids that are on the court, you, you tell every away team all over the country, every time you play, remember when the game is over, come directly to the bench. We're concerned for your safety. We want to make sure that you'll be okay. And then it doesn't take a, a, a mob to get them out of the arena. You just have to escort them out and get them away from the kids on the floor. Most of the kids are not there to cause harm. And, and like I said, these are different times, and there's always some fool in the crowd that's looking for a meme and some fool in the crowd who just hates Duke and has to hurt that kid. But beyond that, that's few and far between. And if you just directed the people who are already working at the arena to make arrangements for additional people to be on the floor and divert the crowd away from the away bench in the last minute or two of the game, you'd avoid 99% of this problem. Mm. I I just would like to expand it. I got you. I like that idea. I do not think that it's just the away bench, though. I, I do think the home players are also in danger of getting caught up in it and the officials. So it's a little bigger. By all means, include them as well. Well, but it's, it, it, it's the manpower is there in one form or another, whether it be police that are already on the premises working the game or ushers that are in the game or a combination of the both. But the, the manpower is there. It won't cost the arenas another penny. And if anybody does end up injured at some point in the future, then you inflict penalties against that university. But the kids, there's a new 
there's a new generation of kids every six months on a college campus. So you could tell every kid that's in every college in America today, don't do this no more. And six months later, there's going to be new kids right, of course. that have to be taught all over. So yeah, I don't think it works to tell them not to. Yeah. Yeah, you just need to put a system in place with the people, the manpower that's in place. And once students said in arena understand that there's going to be people on the floor that are going to divert them away. Like I said, 99.9% of these kids just want to run around and put their hands up. I've ran on the field before. I was there the night Reggie hit three at Yankee Stadium, and I ran down on the field. I was in the bullpen before the baseball team got out of the away team bullpen. And uh, I rolled up right field turf from that game, and I took it home, and we grew it in our window in New York City for seven years. <laughs> and I had so you have expertise. <laughs> I had a chance to meet Reggie Jackson in Hawaii after his career was over. He was over there for a battle of network stars or something. That's and funny. I was working at the Hilton, and I got to lean over and go, Reggie, I got right field from the night you hit three. And he's like, what the heck did you just say? Get your butt over here. Sit down. And I told him the story. And then for every day for the next week, every time he saw me, he's like, come on over, sit down, tell these guys, tell them about the grass. And they're like, Reggie, Hawaii, grass? He's like, it's not like that. Kids, sit down, tell them the story. And when his career was over, he worked for ABC and came over year after year for different events. And I'd see him constantly. And he had the same question. What's up with that grass? Is it still growing in New York City in a window? I said, yes, it is. And it, and it survived for about seven years. That's really funny. What a great story. Thank you so much for sharing it with us, and I appreciate your so, ideas, Jimmy. So great to catch up to you finally. Have a great night. You too. Well, that's interesting. I, I do like the idea of putting more manpower down on the court and making it harder for the students to just bum rush the court. I, there is a chance that some of those, now not all ushers are elderly or volunteers, but in a lot of cases they are. So you kind of worry about that, them getting run over. Um, But maybe some combination of focusing the protection on those people that need to get off the court. Now, for those of you who've ever been to a basketball game, whether NBA or college, sometimes the tunnel, the exit from the arena is not near the bench. I mean, sometimes it's across the court. Sometimes it's in the far corner from where you came in. And very often, the visitor's bench is the farthest point away, right? So the the system or the setup is such that the home team, when they come out, are closest to their bench. And so there are times when the only way athletes can get off, well, can get out of the arena, is to go across the court. So there, there is that consideration. But I do think you all have your, your thinking caps on. This is pretty impressive. Rick is in Boston. Rick, welcome to After Hours. What do you think? I don't know, Amy. Um, I used to be a past season ticket holder for a long time. And there was an incident we had way back in the days of the red shirts before Tom Brady, when we really used to, like, suck. And, uh, the days of Steve Grogan? The days of Steve Grogan. I go back <laughs> to the days of uh, Babe Perilli, if you want the truth. I'm 64 years old. Uh, but I can remember we had an incident. We beat – we had a big win, and the crowd stormed the field. And somebody got hurt on the field. It wasn't really a big deal, but ownership got wind of it. And the next game before the Patriots won um, was about a minute on the clock. Local security and, and the police detail just lined the field. 
and were not letting anybody near it. I mean, one or mm. two guys would try to get through, but it wasn't anywhere near like a field storming or a court storming. And every arena has a police detail already, and they have hired security. So basically all you got to do is with about a minute left to go on the game, if there's even the slightest hint that you're going to have a court storming or something to that effect, bring them all down, have them line the court, and at least gives anybody time to get off the court if need be. Yeah, that definitely needs to be a concentration of manpower, something to offer a deterrent. Uh, even if there are some who attempt to go through like dopes, uh, at least you still have enough people, you hope, enough students who would say this is not worth it. It's not worth getting arrested or getting a citation or getting my tickets pulled or my privileges pulled. And then I would say the vast majority of people don't actually want to run over security guards or run over ushers. Well, that was the threat because Mm -hmm. they were bringing local uh, uh, police down as well. And I mean, uh, Foxborough police. And the penalty was you were going to lose your season tickets and you were going to jail. Mm -hmm. And and the state police barracks is right up the street. Believe me, it's been filled before. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But uh, but, uh, it's one of the things I like the best about hockey because hockey, the glass is so tall, it's next to impossible for the average fan to get on the ice. To scale it. You have to be Spider Man to scale it. You got you got to be really you got to be really athletic to get over that glass now because mm. it's tall. Right. Or I the mean, other thing would be to come over the wall at the point where the players are entering and exiting. But you would absolutely get yourself arrested then. Do you remember years ago the glass along the sideboards used to be much lower, and mm. now it's been raised almost uh, double what the height used to be. Interesting. And like I said, even at the sideboards, it's next to impossible for the average fan. I mean, look, unless unless you're a gymnast or somebody really <laughs> athletic, you're not getting over that stuff. That'd be funny. Well, I just saw Cirque du Soleil in Vegas. They could get over that glass. <laughs> All right, Rick, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good one, Amy. <laughs> he, he makes a good point. Uh, there are some sports that are better equipped to protect their people. Now, there are always going to be lawbreakers, rule breakers, dopes who decide they want to streak across a field or who want to get down on the playing surface, which makes me nervous. You just never know these days what they're carrying or where they're going or what they want to do, who they want to see. But for the most part, I think the majority of people are deterred by security or the idea of being arrested, uh, the idea of having their ticket privileges revoked or uh, being banned from a particular event. But but fines, not so much. The students couldn't care less. Greg sends us this tweet, A-Law Radio. What's cheaper, $100,000 in fines or paying extra officers? <laughs> That's a good point. Pay for the overtime of the extra police force and law enforcement or pay the $100,000 fine. Now, just to clarify, that that fine is a conference fine, and it's I think that's SEC. Not every conference has a stipulation where if you rush the court, there's a fine. Or if you storm the court as students, the school gets fined. I believe that's a conference policy. And to my knowledge, the ACC does not have one of those. So maybe there needs to be greater pressure on the conference from these individual schools and coaches. Even if no one's been seriously hurt, 
well, tell that to Kyle Filipowski, but even if no one's been seriously hurt, you don't want to wait until someone gets seriously hurt. I don't think in any way the students should have the ability to touch the athletes or the coaches or the officials. That's not a good idea. And I say this too about pro sports. The athletes should never have something thrown at them. They should never have to worry about their safety. It's just one or two people that might ruin it for everybody else. All right. Good to hear from you on Twitter. Birthday wishes coming in for producer Jay uh, since this morning, Tuesday, is his birthday. What time of the day were you born? Do you remember? Night, like 1030 p.m. Eastern. So I got all day technically. All right. Uh, I was born at 1.30 in the morning. So when it's my birthday date, it it's really my birthday right away. <laughs> that, well, my mom's birthday is the day after mine. So I always heard the story that like the doctor in the room was like, do you want to have the same birthday? And she was like, I don't want that. So oh, it's like, <laughs> yeah. get this baby to be yeah. born on February 27th. <laughs> That's funny. All right, coming up, it's the exact opposite almost of what we had a year ago in the NFL when it comes to the franchise tags. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Radio. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Takes the snap, it's a run to Jacobs, trying the left side. Burst through a hole, 40, 45, 50, down the near side, 40, and a stiff arm, they're not going to catch him. Jacobs at the 10, 5, touchdown Raiders. Josh Jacobs, burst through the hole. DeVito back, lobbed one, right corner of the end zone for Barkley, who makes the catch, and in for the touchdown. Man in motion, handoff, Pollard coming right, bang, zoom, touchdown Cowboys. Jacksonville stacking up the line of scrimmage, expecting Derrick Henry. They get him, coming left. Henry turns it up to the 15. Henry to the 10. Henry to the 5. Henry to the end zone. That is the king. Touchdown! Tight! 
This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence. Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, Tony Pollard. Wowzers. This is a partial list of the running backs available in the NFL this offseason. Now, some of those guys may end up sticking with their teams, the teams for whom they currently play. But because we're seeing an about face by a bunch of NFL franchises, as in the complete opposite of what we were talking about this time last year, we could see major movement among some of these running backs. It is a running back rich free agent class if all of these guys hit the market. You know that right now teams are in a period where they can slap the tag. Well, it's nicer to say apply the tag to one of their players. And essentially, now I'm not going to get deep in the weeds, but essentially if you are tagged by a team, number one, it gives you both sides more time to negotiate a deal. So that's part of the reason why the franchise tag is used because teams don't necessarily want to see this particular player. Well, they don't want to see this particular player walk. And if they can't come to terms on a deal, at least they would prefer some compensation, right? Uh, Or they don't want this player to walk. They don't think there's hope for a deal. And so they're willing to pay them for one year, but you pay through the nose generally when you franchise tag a player. So there's no extra job security or guaranteed money or long-term deal for the athletes, which is why they don't like it. But they do for that one year make a buttload of money. So you make about the average, again, there are some different rules and stipulations, but you make about the average of the top five players at your position for one year. But, Josh Jacobs, Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler. Those five are all expected to be available via free agency or trade. Now, trade becomes a moot point once they hit the new league year. But you've also got, gosh, listen to this group. DeAndre Swift. A.J. Dillon, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Ezekiel Elliott, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So this time last year, we had Jacobs, Barkley, and Pollard all get tagged. And remember, it set off this huge reaction among guys who play that position And it became a major talking point of the offseason because, and Austin Eckler was leading the charge. It wasn't just him, though, right? Jonathan Taylor was holding out. He wanted a new deal. Josh Jacobs, same thing. And they're making noise about how they're devalued. That was the phrase. The running back position is devalued. You even had former players. In fact, we were on Radio Row. And we had Mark Ingram go off 
on how NFL franchises are treating running backs. Again, around this idea of not paying us what we're worth and devaluing the position. But then we had Merrill Hodge, same position, who said the exact opposite. If you miss those conversations, they are terrific. Two completely opposite sides of the same coin. Two different eras of NFL players. So last year you had these running backs get tagged. And the idea was, well, we'll try to work out a deal. And it ultimately did happen for those three guys. But this year, teams are pretty sure they can find a running back without having to pay through the nose, without having to offer the tag. But also, if they can't get a deal done with their current back, they'll go find a different one. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. And throw into the mix the fact that each team has a almost $31 million extra dollars under the salary cap. And there becomes a lot less of a sense of urgency around keeping your own back. So it looks like no running backs will be tagged. This, according to some NFL peeps in the know, I didn't go back and do the research, but the scuttlebutt or the talk is this could be the deepest class of running backs ever to hit free agency. Derrick Henry just turned 30, finished up with his best game of the season. Austin Eckler, uh, he's got to stay healthy, but he's a versatile option who led the league in touchdowns a couple seasons ago. Saquon Barkley, when he's healthy and he's already come off, of course, a uh, an ACL tear really was, in my opinion, one of the reasons, one of the top reasons why Daniel Jones ended up getting a big contract the way he did from the Giants. Josh Jacobs, extremely talented, explosive, quick. Tony Pollard, I, I love his heart, his desire. The Cowboys chose to go with him instead of Ezekiel Elliott last season. But... Right now, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. What you've done in the past doesn't matter because there are so many available that these teams can use it as a strategy. Well, hey, if you don't want the deal, we'll go find one of the other ones. So you end up with guys now, instead of being unified like they were last year, in raising their voices, complaining about how running backs are treated and how they're devalued. Now, it's a very different atmosphere and a very different tone around these running backs because they're all competing for the same jobs, right? So last year, they were on their teams. They weren't, well, we had a few that signed late, right? The whole th- the, the thing that happened with the Minnesota Vikings, right, and Dalvin Cook, he ends up getting cut because they couldn't find, well, he didn't want the deal that the Vikings offered him. He got a whole lot less and didn't even last the entire season with the Jets. Now, maybe that has to do with Aaron Rodgers. Maybe it doesn't. But he didn't find a home where he was really used the way that he thought he could be. 
So that was one example. And there were a couple of guys that signed late. But the idea now is that they're not going to be unified because they all need work. They need contracts. So while they can say kind of conceptually, well, yeah, running backs need to be paid more. They're not one for all and all for one this year because some of these guys could end up without jobs. So now they're competing for the same money. They're competing for the same pool. They're competing for the same deals. Ooh, it's decidedly different. Almost completely the opposite of what it was a year ago at this time. Now, what we do know, according to multiple sources, is that the Raiders will try to re-sign Josh Jacobs, but they, they're not going to pay through the nose for him. His franchise tag would cost over $14 million. Now, his is something to do with his contract where it's a little bit more. The Giants and the Cowboys are not tagging their backs, Saquon and Pollard, because they'd have to pay more than $12 million for them. So right there, that is apparently above the ceiling that the Giants and the Cowboys have set for their backs. They're not willing to pay $12 million for either Saquon or Tony Pollard next season. And the Titans, same thing. They're not tagging Derrick Henry. They... I don't even know if they want to get a deal done with them. They may not. They may be ready to reset. And the Chargers, they're going to let Austin Eckler figure out what else is available. And then all of these other guys. I mean, DeAndre Swift had a real good year. Devin Singletary had some really good moments this season. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a championship back, though, of course, he lost his gig for the most part to Isaiah Pacheco in Kansas City. But yeah, this is this is gonna be crazy. Jonathan Taylor at least signed. He had that three-year deal with the Colts last October. And we know that Christian McCaffrey is under contract. And there's a bunch that are under their rookie contracts. But I mean, it's it's gonna be interesting to see how this works out. We could have as much movement among running running backs as we do among quarterbacks. And yeah, I suppose when it comes to the whole devaluing that takes a back seat to getting as much money as you can, even if that means stepping over someone else to get it. Ooh, what a difference a year makes. <laughs> Do you want to hear a quick fun fact about running backs? That's kind of going viral now after all this. Okay. So, you remember Todd Gurley, of course? Yes. Now that, like, Derrick Henry's, like, age is coming out in his contract, Derrick Henry is older than Todd Gurley. And Todd Gurley hasn't played in three years. Right now? Right now. Todd Gurley is 29, and Derrick Henry is 30. Derrick Henry is a transcendent talent. How old is Dalvin Cook? 32? Hmm, 31, see. 32? I mean, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is in his 20s. 28, Dalvin Cook, turning 29. Oh, my gosh. This, he'll be 29 at the start of the season. Yeah, I mean... It's crazy, right? It is. It definitely is. All right, interesting to see what happens there. On Twitter, A-Law Radio, also on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence, Dion Dawkins. <laughs> He's got nothing better to do this offseason, apparently. 
And I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Also, I have no idea what Vlad TV is. You are listening to the After Hours Podcast. Wins and losses, man. The last time I remember is you don't have to be undefeated. Like, it's just the way it is. Like, we would love to win them all. We would love to score a thousand points every game but it's the nfl it's the hardest game in the world you win you lose you have good plays you have bad plays you just hope you have more good plays than bad plays when the clock hits zero it's just the way it goes this is after hours with amy lawrence Dion dawkins strong opinions i like that i wasn't expecting quite the strong opinions that he expressed on vlad tv I do not condone the type of language (laughs) that he uses. Watch your words, Dion. But he gets fired up when it comes to the Jets, and in particular, one member of the Jets. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. All right, so Bill's offensive lineman, Dion Dawkins, has decided he's not going to keep silent with his axe that he's grinding against D-lineman Michael Clemens of the Jets. But it's really not just Michael Clemens. (laughs) He doesn't reserve his hatred, his animosity, simply for Clemens. Nah, he drills down on the Jets on Vlad TV. I have no idea. Is this an actual TV network or it's online? I think it's online. Okay, so it's not an actual TV network. All right. I have no idea if it's on my cable package. I suppose I can look for it, but not if it's this kind of language on a regular basis, Dion. Number 72, Michael Clements. Michael Clements. Yeah. Yeah. Bitch boy. Oh. Um, <laughs> bitch boy. You know, I'm going to just keep it a buck. I hate them. All of them, bro. They are all some, like, when it comes to sports, right, there's people that play the sport because they love the sport, and then there's people that play the sport just to try to be cool. I feel like they play the sport to try to be cool. Like, those are a bunch of dudes that just want to take pictures on Instagram. <laughs> like, that's whack. Like, I play this because I'll die by it. So, Deion Dawkins does not keep his hatred for the Jets to himself. But, because I'm not cool at all. What exactly is a bitch boy? <laughs> Jay, you're the cool <laughs> one around here. How would you define bitch boy? 
It seems like an oxymoron if you ask me, but I, I just... I didn't think I'd have to answer that one. <laughs> oh. Um, well, use your words, but don't use that word, because I, I, I'm assuming it's an insult. Yes, yes. <laughs> but what does it mean? It's hard to describe calling oh, someone okay. a bitch boy without calling them a bitch boy. But Well, someone, we don't use those kind of words here no. on the show. Um, Have you ever used that phrase to I describe someone... Oh my gosh! And I thought so highly of you. Maybe one. I mean, I don't know. It's kind of like, just I, I guess when you just don't agree with something that or actions that no, someone does. No, no, that's not good enough. You wouldn't call you and I disagree. Strongly disagree. I've never. <laughs> no, come on. There are other ways to strongly disagree besides calling someone a bitch boy. It's kind of just like a behavior that you would determine. Like, say, like I might think someone's a bitch boy, but it doesn't mean someone else might think someone's a bitch boy. It's kind of like. But what? What does that mean, though? Just because you disagree with someone, you have to insult them like that? Yeah. It's no. a very high level no. of a very, very um, but, strong. But what does it mean? It, it means exactly what it means. No, it, it doesn't, doesn't mean like, I disagree with you. It no. Boy. <laughs> no, it's I don't. I need to know exactly what it means, why he chose that particular phrase. Do you guys remember going back to the NBA finals between the Cavaliers when LeBron still played there and Draymond Green? Well, the Warriors and Draymond Green and... There was this, there was this, I don't know whether or not it was true. LeBron said it was true. Who knows? But that he was called that by Draymond, not the boy part, just the other B word. Uh, and that that's what you don't call a man. Uh, it's acceptable to call a woman that, apparently. And it, that's the part that blows me away. That's kind of what I was hoping that Jay would define it because... Uh, it's okay somehow to call a female that, but if you call a man that, well, then that is the ultimate insult. Do you catch my drift? I have zero, as in zero sympathy for for anyone who gets called that. Are you kidding? Uh, let me just assume then that because you as a male don't want to get called that, you would never dare use it to talk about a female. All right, then I'll take you as legit. Otherwise, don't care. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. So he goes on to explain why he can't stand Michael Clemens. Though, by the way, he does like Quentin Williams, who's on that same D-line. Maybe it's third quarter, maybe it's fourth. Whatever it is. Our backs are to our tunnel. TV timeouts. Clemens is... Talking to us, really talking at 17. And first of all, why are you talking Josh to my Allen. quarterback? Don't talk to my quarterback. Ever. Stay over there. Don't talk don't to say my nothing to none of my guys. Just stay over there, son. Like, don't talk to 17. I'm really serious about that. Don't talk to him. Don't say nothing to him at all. Clement starts going, 13, you fing suck. Fuck you. 79. F you. Osiris, F you. Mitch, F you. Connor, F you. 73, F you. Went down the whole team. Everybody on the field. Pointing at us and just and, and just yapping his beat. Bro, what am I supposed to do as Doc? What am I supposed to do? Deion Dawkins goes on to say on Vlad TV that Clemens actually followed him up the tunnel after this game, but was afraid to go mano a mano and face-to-face. -face. So I'm just wondering, not that Dion cares, of course, but what is he hoping to accomplish with this interview? 
He knew it was going to go viral. In fact, we'll probably save it. Not probably. We will save it and bring it back for the next After Hours Hall of Flame induction. I'm a big fan of rivalries. And I certainly understand that as an offensive lineman, you do not want some defender yapping at your quarterback. Also, since the Jets kind of stink lately, it's uh, it's really tough to do any smack talking. But the whole point of what Clemens is doing is try to get under their skin, right? Which I guess it worked with Dawkins. So, yeah, this does not surprise me. They're rivals. They did split the season series in 2023. But remember, the Jets took the opener in overtime after Aaron Rodgers tore his Achilles. I don't mind the rivalry. I just am wondering how Dawkins hopes this, or what he hopes this will accomplish. CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 